Book One, Chapter Four, Part Two of Lord of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Ockenick. Lord of the World by Robert Hugh Benson. Book One, Chapter Four, Part Two. Victoria Station, still named after the great nineteenth-century queen, was neither more nor less busy than usual as he came into it half an hour later. The vast platform, sunk now nearly two hundred feet below the ground level, showed the double crowd of passengers entering and leaving town. Those on the extreme left, toward whom Percy began to descend in the open glazed lift, were by far the most numerous and the stream at the lift entrance made it necessary for him to move slowly. He arrived at last, walking in the soft light on the noiseless ribbed rubber, and stood by the door of the long car that ran straight through to the junction. It was the last of a series of a dozen or more, each of which slid off minute by minute. Then, watching the endless movement of the lifts ascending and descending between the entrances of the upper end of the station, he stepped in and sat down. He felt quiet now that he had actually started. He had made his confession, just in order to make certain of his own soul, though scarcely expecting any definite danger, and sat now, his gray suit and straw hat, in no way distinguishing him as a priest for a general leave was given by the authorities to dress so for any adequate reason. Since the case was not imminent, he had not brought stocks or picks. Father Dolan had wired to him that he might fetch them, if he wished, from St. Joseph's, near the junction. He had only the violet thread in his pocket, such as was customary for sick calls. He was sliding along, peaceably enough, fixing his eyes on the empty seat opposite, and trying to preserve complete collectedness when the car abruptly stopped. He looked out, astonished, and saw by the white enameled walks twenty feet from the window that they were already in the tunnel. The stoppage might arise from many causes, and he was not greatly excited, nor did it seem that others in the carriage took it very seriously. He could hear, after a moment's silence, the talking recommence beyond the partition. Then there came, echoed by the walls, the sound of shouting from far away, mingled with hoots and chords. It grew louder. The talking in the carriage stopped. He heard a window thrown up, and the next instant a car tore past, going back to the station, although on the down line. This must be looked into, thought Percy. Something certainly was happening. So he got up and went across the empty compartment to the further window. Again came the crying of voices, again the signals, and once more a car whirled past, followed almost immediately by another. There was a jerk, a smooth movement. Percy staggered and fell into a seat, as the carriage in which he was seated itself began to move backwards. There was a clamor now in the next compartment, and Percy made his way there through the door, only to find half a dozen men with their heads thrust from the windows, who paid absolutely no attention to his inquiries. So he stood there, aware that they knew no more than himself, waiting for an explanation from someone. 
it was disgraceful he told himself that any misadventure should so disorganize the line twice the car stopped each time it moved on again after a hoot or two and at last drew up at the platform whence it had started although a hundred yards further out ah there was no doubt that something had happened the instant he opened the door a great roar met his ears and as he sprang onto the platform and looked up at the end of the station he began to understand from right to left of the huge interior across the platforms swelling every instant surged an enormous swaying roaring crowd the flight of steps twenty yards broad used only in cases of emergency resembled a gigantic black cataract nearly two hundred feet in height each car as it drew up discharged more and more men and women who ran like ants toward the assembly of their fellows the noise was indescribable the shouting of men the screaming of women the clang and hoot of the huge machines and three or four times the brazen cry of a trumpet as an emergency door was flung open overhead and a small swirl of crowd poured through it toward the streets beyond but after one look percy looked no more at the people for there high up beneath the clock on the government signal board flared out monstrous letters of fire telling in esperanto and english the message for which england had grown sick he read it a dozen times before he moved staring as at a supernatural sight which might denote the triumph of either heaven or hell eastern convention dispersed peace not war universal brotherhood established felsenburg in london tonight end of book 1 chapter 4 part 2 recording by mike ockenick